Welcome to How to Live Cancer-Free with Bill Henderson, best-selling author of three books on healing cancer successfully. Now, here's Bill Henderson. Hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to How to Live Cancer-Free on webtalkradio.net. We're glad to have you, and we're going to have some wonderful information for you here on the show today. Before we get started in that, though, we want to give you kind of an update of the current information that's going on in the news about cancer. And one of our wonderful folks at Web Talk Radio will be talking to you shortly for a few minutes about that. So stay tuned, and I'll be back shortly. Thanks, Bill. For Web Talk Radio, I'm Anthony DeVoe. Bill, I was looking at your website, Beating Cancer Gently, and saw a really great letter that Sherry Brescia wrote you about the eight evil foods and how to avoid them. Since we talked about the benefits of nuts last week, I thought it was only fitting that we talk about these dangerous foods today. Here are eight common foods and food ingredients that Sherry believes are so deadly and harmful that eating or drinking them on a regular basis will most assuredly chop years off your life and guarantee that the years you have left will find you facing sickness, disease, and very likely obesity. Sherry calls them the evil eight. Number one, soda. Any soda, diet or regular, is acid in a bottle or can. It's so acidic that it takes 32 cups of water to neutralize the acid in just one can of soda in your body. Having so much acid in your system puts a tremendous strain on your kidneys, which filter acid out of your bloodstream and put it into your urine. Your body also uses its own alkaline minerals to neutralize the acid. This includes calcium from your bones and magnesium from your muscles. Eventually, that can lead to osteoporosis, weak muscles, tooth decay, and brittle, porous bones that fracture easily. Plus, soda contains the worst form of sugar on the planet, high fructose corn syrup. Don't think diet soda is any better, because artificial sweeteners are number two on the list. Simply put, they're poisons. No other way to say it. Take aspartame, commonly known as NutraSweet, for example, the artificial sweetener found in most diet sodas. A recent comprehensive study showed that drinking just one 12-ounce diet soda a day increases your risk of leukemia by an alarming 42%. The study also showed a 102% higher risk of multiple melioma and 31% increased risk of non-Hodgkin lymphoma in men. Note that diet soda is by far the largest source of aspartame in the U.S., Every year, we consume about 5,250 tons of aspartame in total, of which about 86%, or 4,500 tons, comes from diet sodas. Some documented side effects of aspartame are shown to cause problems related to vision, nerves, heart, digestion, memory, speech, motor coordination, sleep, skin, anxiety, and blood. The most severe effects of aspartame poisoning are death, irreversible brain damage, birth defects, ulcers, severe depression, aggressive behavior, suicidal tendencies, and cancer. Splenda is no better. Studies are associating Splenda with a growing list of similar medical problems. Bottom line is, if you want to use a non-calorie sweetener, use Stevia. It's been around for centuries and has a proven track record of safety. Number three, high fructose corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup is directly associated with kidney disease, osteoporosis, not to mention obesity and a plethora of other health problems. 
What makes high fructose corn syrup so problematic is the fact that it's found in just about every type of product on store shelves. So what should you do? For starters, read labels and find alternatives. Organic products typically don't contain high fructose corn syrup. The less you rely on packaged foods, the better. Number four is hydrogenated oil. Hydrogenated and partially hydrogenated oils contain trans fats, which are fats that don't exist in nature, so your body cannot metabolize them. Instead, they just accumulate in your tissues, clog your arteries, and cause inflammation, cell damage, and heart disease. These frankenfats are found in deep-fried foods, margarine, baked goods, powdered and artificial coffee creamers, and most processed or packaged foods. Look for the words hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated on package labels. If you see them, do not buy the product. Number five, nitrite cured meats. Cured meats made with sodium nitrite or sodium nitrate include hot dogs, lunch meat, bacon, ham, and corned beef. When you eat nitrites, they can be converted into nitrosamines, which are potent cancer-causing chemicals in your body. The primary types of cancers associated with nitrite consumption are colorectal, stomach, and pancreatic. In addition, children born to women who ate a lot of cured meats during pregnancy have a two to three times greater risk of developing a brain tumor than those born to mothers who did not eat cured meats. Number six, processed foods. Processed foods include all packaged foods that contain ingredients other than a real unaltered food. Although the appeal behind them is convenience and an indefinite shelf life, they are extremely dangerous and loaded with chemicals and preservatives that your body was never meant to ingest. Besides the chemicals they contain, processed foods are deadly to your health because they provide no usable naturally occurring nutrients, using up loads of your digestive enzymes, then basically turn to nothing but waste. They contain no water to transport nutrients or carry away wastes from your body like fruits and vegetables do. Instead, they add to the waste pile, making you very toxic. Since processed foods don't nourish you, even though your stomach may be physically full, your body thinks it still needs more food because it hasn't gotten nourished from what you've eaten, so your hunger bell will ring again soon. That's why you can polish off an entire family-sized bag of Doritos, then feel hungry again an hour later. Number seven, farmed salmon. Farmed salmon are crammed into little pens and fed things they were never meant to ingest like soy, poultry litter, and hydrolyzed chicken feathers. As a result, farmed salmon is lower in vitamin D than fresh caught and higher in contaminants such as carcinogens, PCBs, and pesticides like dioxin and DDT. Fresh caught salmon, and all kinds of fish for that matter, is always best. Number eight, tap water. All water is not created equal. Since our bodies are naturally meant to be alkaline, our water must be alkaline too. But thanks to acid rain and the chemicals added by municipalities, that's not always a given. Regular unfiltered tap water is acidic and contains harmful toxins like fluoride and chlorine. Avoid tap water, this includes water fountains, at all possible cost, no matter what you may read in the news or your local politician may tell you. Strive to drink bottled, purified, or even filtered water of some type. So there you have them, Sherry's Evil 8. Now, knowing about the Evil 8 is only half of the equation because it's even more important to avoid them at all costs and help to undo the harmful effects they may have already had on your health. Next week, we're going to tell you how to do that. That's a look at Cancer in the News this week. For Web Talk Radio, I'm Anthony DeVoe. Now back to you, Bill. Well, hello, folks. It's Bill Henderson again with How to Live Cancer Free, where we try each week to 
bring you on webtalkradio.net information that will help you heal your cancer if you have it or avoid it if you don't. And today we've got a wonderful show for you. This one's going to be a little longer than normal. I'll explain why. I'm trying to put in a particular package here that you can download and put on a CD some of the most valuable information about health that you will ever find for your family and your loved ones. And that is regarding the serious nature of dental toxins and how they relate to most degenerative conditions. And the best resources I could find for that were my interviews last year with Sandy Zeitman, uh, one of the most dramatic uh, healing stories I've ever heard uh, about a woman uh, sick literally for 50 years of her life who got, got her mouth cleaned up and got well. And the doctor that did it for her, Dr. Stuart Nunnally, the dentist from uh, Marble Falls, Texas. These two interviews are coming up on this show, and it will be a little longer than normal. Uh, don't worry about that. But uh, put it on a CD if you can, and, and ask every member of your family to listen to this, because they'll learn things that will save their lives, literally. I need to mention my three sponsors up front here before we get into the interviews, and that will be the rest of this show. Uh, I have three wonderful sponsors, Green Supreme Incorporated. Uh, their website is greensupreme.net, and they have wonderful products. Barley Power is the one I recommend. You can call them at 1-800-358-8777 on Eastern Time. Outside the United States, you can call them at area 724-946-9057. One of the newer uh, sponsors I have is uh, a company, you'll find the website ancient5.com. This is Phyllis, Phyllis Pipkin's company, which she just started uh, literally last month, uh, and is selling the, the transfer point beta-glucan that I recommend, among other products. Phyllis has a lot of experience with that and with some of you folks, and uh, you'll be glad to find her at this new location. Ancient5.com is the website, and uh, you'll be able to call her if you like. Uh, It's in Atlanta. The numbers are 855-877-8220. Outside the United States, area 678-653-8532. My third sponsor, of course, uh, in no particular order here, is a company called Our Health Co-op, which most of you are familiar with, and hopefully you've bought some of their products and saved a lot of money on the supplements that they sell. The website for them is makinghealthaffordable.com. The order desk in Florida, if you want to call them, is at 1-800-667-0781. And outside the United States area, 561-863-5300. Well, stay tuned now, folks. You'll find this interview, this set of two interviews, really, on this one one tape here uh, that you can download and play anytime for your family or yourself. Uh, one of the most valuable resources I think you'll ever have for your health. Be prepared to take some notes and get the most out of this set of interviews. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Hi, Bill. You are welcome, and you are my hero. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I don't feel much like a hero today, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll work on that a little bit. I think when, by the time we're done, you will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you've had quite an experience here. Uh, tell us, 
really how the uh, physical problems that you had, the medical problems and so on, how they started. When did you first notice that you had physical problems? When I was 10 years old, wow. I had chronic fatigue. And I was walking around tired all the time, but you know, I was a little kid. I didn't know this was not normal, and I didn't tell anybody. Oh, my. We're talking 50 years ago, literally? 50 years ago. Oh, my. And then as a teenager, I experienced constant strep throat and tonsillitis, and finally at age 21, I was in college, they uh, removed my tonsils. Yeah. Then uh, also in my 20s, my ears were pierced, and my ears, earlobes always hurt and were inflamed. And I didn't know that at the time I was having reactions to metallic poisoning. I'll be darned. Did you have any reaction after the tonsils were taken out? I mean, did that help any? No. No. Oh, oh boy. It didn't. it didn't. In fact, in my 20s, I became sicker and sicker. And the uh, back of my ears, the lymph glands, the lymph nodes that are there were very sore all the time. Huh. And I had a lot of environmental sensitivities. Yeah. The chronic fatigue got more severe. And they never really gave you any diagnosis except chronic fatigue syndrome, which is, of course, a catch-all. If you, if you feel bad, <laughs> that's a name they can put on it. And that wasn't even in my 20s that they were saying that. That was probably more like my 30s. Oh, boy. You know, and I began uh, going to allopathic and holistic doctors. I studied health. I studied nutrition. Yeah. Some things would help for a while, but never for long term. Yeah. And then as the years went by, I developed more symptoms, and I had excruciating pain in my head and eyes all the time. Oh, my. I was dizzy. I had severe memory problems. And then the last three years, um, I couldn't do much close work, such as reading a book or be on the computer. Oh, really? And this is from about 2004 or five on, right? Right. Oh, and boy. Then, uh, and then it really started... Uh, going downhill even more. In 2006, I experienced a seizure and a stroke. Oh, boy. I went to the hospital. Um, the, re the only reason I'm glad I went to the hospital is because they could name something. And, yeah. um, you know, that's when I, I found out at the hospital that I had a seizure and a stroke. And then when I had the CAT scans and the MRIs, they found a, a second old stroke on the other side of my brain. Really? One that you'd had before the, this time then? Right. And when my brain got better, I figured out it was in the early 90s when I was under a lot of stress and I really was losing my memory. I would go somewhere and park my car and I couldn't remember where my car was parked. And oh, my. The grocery store with the cart, you know, if I put it, the shopping cart down somewhere, I, I couldn't find it. Oh, boy. Right. So, you know, that is when the other strokes happen. My goodness. Well, obviously, strokes are pretty serious. What, what did they do to treat the stroke uh, in the hospital? Nothing. Really? Nothing. And my, the stroke I had was not the um, usual blocked artery. It was a um, hemorrhagic, a bleeding stroke. Oh, I see. Okay. And I had a lot of uh, bleeding problems in my body, rosacea, and um, I bruised easily. 
lot of interruptions, a lot of things that dealt with um, uh, broken blood vessels. Yeah. A lot, a lot of things. Hmm. Wow. You know, one thing leads to another, and uh, then uh, the last series of scary symptoms was in June 2009. Right. My legs and knees became very weak, and I would fall down for no reason. Oh, my. And this is just about nine months ago then, huh? Exactly. Wow. And I couldn't uh, hike or ballroom dance anymore. Going up and down stairs, I had to hold on to the rails because um, I was so scared of, of falling down. Yeah, and you had been pretty active physically. You say you like to dance and, and hike and so on. Right, uh, in right. spite of all your, your health problems, you still were pretty active up to that time then, right? Yes, yes. I always People, people did not know that I was sick because I always looked good. I always acted happy and joyful and, you know, did things. But in June, when my legs and knees started becoming weak and I was falling down, and then my hands also, I'd pick up something or have something in my hands and I'd drop it. Wow. Yeah, so um, that was really scary. And fortunately, at that time, I had started uh, learning about this dental toxicity. Yeah, how did you first learn about that? Well, the first way I learned about it was through your health show. Oh, okay. And well, uh, that's... that's why I'm so grateful to you for guiding me to health. You were the first person who shocked me with the information about the dangers of root canals. Oh, my. Okay. And you had some of those? I had uh, three root canals, and I, I already knew I had a lot of mercury in my mouth. Yeah. Because, you know, I can see the gray and black. Now, I knew that mercury wasn't good. However, I wasn't aware of how extremely toxic it was. Yeah, well, the dentists are all in denial about this. They don't tell you, you know, what you need to know uh, to save your, your health. No one but does. When, no one. When were the, uh, well, when were the fillings, uh, root canals and otherwise, when were those done? Were they early in your life? Early in my life. I know the root canals were done when I was 13. It was a wonderful dentist. Oh. And uh, when I had my uh, revision done. <laughs> the dentist said that he did a very good job. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as you know, as good as you can do on a root exactly. canal filling, I guess. Right. So um, the other thing that I learned through my my studying of this dental toxicity, which I was really upset when I learned, when well, I knew somewhere in my 30s, I knew that mercury wasn't so good. So I started asking for composites. Yeah. But what I didn't know that I was, I'm still upset about this, is that they put various metals in with the composite crown. Yeah, that's very true. They do. And you have to be tested, you know, for whatever you're, you're allergic to. And lots of us are allergic to all different kinds of metal, and particularly nickel, aluminum, and what, what have you. Right. So what, what was in the composites that was causing you a problem? Well, I know aluminum and nickel and probably other things, too. Yeah. Probably. But, yeah. Um, and those, you know, all the infections, too. Oh, so, my. you know, I decided that even if it didn't make me, after all this, I did a lot of research on this dental toxicity yeah. situation. And I decided that even if getting all the metals and mercury and root canals out did not make me feel well, 
at least I wouldn't have any of that in my mouth anymore. And much to my surprise, I had a very profound healing. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, how did you, well, we'll talk about the, the after effects of the dental work in a minute, but how did you discover the doctor that you talk about in, your, in the article I published in the newsletter? How did you find Dr. Nunnally? Well, once again, after I finished my dental toxicity research, I deeply started researching about a Huggins-trained dentist in my area. Okay, and that, you're talking about Dr. Dr. Hal, Hal Huggins Correct. in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I've interviewed him a couple of times on this radio show, so some of these folks have heard him talk. And, but... and I heard his programs on your show yeah. and on one, one radio network. Oh, yeah, okay. Both, both of your shows, and I really learned a lot from him. I, I would emphasize people to get his books, to get his pamphlets, to get his introductory material because it all is filled with incredibly informative, helpful information. Yeah, and the way to get that is, is in that February newsletter article, by the way. Sandy included his website in there, and you can go there and get the information she got that helped her nail the, the cause of her problem here. Uh, so, But Dr. Huggins has trained quite a few dentists around the country. I know he told me something like 75 or 80 of them that he's trained to properly do what you had done, and I guess you found one of those, huh? I could not find one in my area who strictly followed the Huggins protocol yeah. as well as offering excellent customer service. I see. And it's very important when somebody is very sick with me, like me, with a compromised immune system, to have this procedure done safely. Yeah, and, I agree. You know, the Huggins protocol is very safe. They do a lot of things that make it safe. Uh huh. And this is uh, tr trying, among other things, to keep the mercury vapor out of your system, and you know, making you sicker if they if they're not really careful with that, I guess. And when they remove a mercury uh, filling, folks, and believe me, all these silver fillings you have in your mouth have about 50% mercury in them. And when that's removed, if they don't do it properly, what Dr. Huggins told me is that 63% of people get worse that have mercury fillings removed. So be careful. I mean, this is something you have to be very selective about who you go to. And I've met many people who, who did go to any dentist to have it done who were very sick like me and did get a lot sicker. Yeah, I'll bet. So how did you, you found Dr. Nunley then through the, uh, the um, well, Dr. Huggins' website, is that right? When I received information from Dr. Huggins, this big introductory packet, I saw Dr. Nunley's name on it. Yeah. But at that time, I wasn't planning to go to Texas. I was still researching dentists here. Then I heard a program uh, on OneRadioNetwork.com where Dr. Nunnally did a lecture. Okay. And from that moment, I knew I was going to Texas, and I called the office, and they answered all my questions patiently. Now, I had asked a million questions yeah. when I was researching dentists in this area. When I called Dr. Nunley's office, I didn't have to ask as many questions because they did the Huggins pro protocol. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, they did the vitamin C drip, they did the oxygen, they did conscious, conscious sedation, they did all these things. So I didn't have to probe all these other dentists 
to go down all my million questions. Yeah, okay. So it was easy. And not only that, anytime I did ask him a question, like, do you work with really sick people? Because some of the dentists I interviewed said, no, we don't want to work with you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I you were... find a dentist that wanted to work with me, and Dr. Nunnally's office said, we work with sick people every day. Wow, okay. Yeah, he sounds like the real the real McCoy here, if you will. Oh, and uh, he is. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, anyway, his uh, website, by the way, which is healthysmilesforlife.com, uh, that actually most of these doctors who are really good biological dentists have to kind of cover their tracks a little bit because obviously what they're doing is kind of out of the mainstream of dentistry according to the ADA, American Dental Association, and they kind of have to uh, keep from making it too visible exactly what they're doing to reform people's dental work and get their mouth cleaned up because the ADA is in denial for reasons that have largely to do with liability for their members. They're in denial about both mercury amalgam filling still and root canal fillings. Uh, they just basically say no problem, these can be done perfectly safely, and they are done, lots of them in the United States, about 50 million a year. In fact, root canals done in this country alone every year. Well, anyway, tell us about your experience then in, in Texas. What did you find out about your mouth there? And this was in September or October last year, was it? Right. At the end of September, I went to Texas, and I got my complete dental revision performed. Yeah. Now, there were some things that I needed to do here before I went, and one of them was to get a panoramic uh, x-ray, and the other one was to have a biocompatibility blood test done. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then Dr. Nunnally could use all that information to get the process started. Yeah, sure. So I had done all that, and I went at the end of September, and I already knew that, you know, First of all, before I even went to any of these dentists, I knew I had a lot of mercury in my mouth and other problems. And um, one of the dentists in my area had done an evaluation. So, you know, I knew there were a lot of teeth there. So Dr. Nunnally, uh, same thing, you know, found everything. And I had 24 of 32, 24 of 32 teeth revised. I mean, that's a whole mouthful. Oh, my goodness. That's almost were, all my teeth. Yeah, were, were all of these teeth, or were some of them extraction sites like wisdom tooth extractions or whatever? I, I, I don't have any extractions or wisdom teeth. Well, actually, I have one now, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, so it was all a lot of mercury. And then the crowns that I mentioned that had aluminum and nickel. Right. And then the three three root canals, and then I had one tooth that had been hurting me on my left side for over two years. I couldn't even chew anymore. No dentist could find anything wrong. Yeah. And Dr. Nunnally figured it out that it was an abscess, abscess tooth. My so goodness. he pulled it out, and, um, you know, that's another permanent bridge. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Well, what? how many teeth were you left with after all this? Well, what's 32 minus 24? Really? <laughs> they, had to, they had to pull out all 24 of them? Is that right? Oh, no, 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 no. They, on, they only pulled out the uh, root canals and the um, abscess, but there were some other teeth that were 
so, uh, you know, I had, I'm having nine. That's right. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite done yet. Yeah. I've had, my, I've had two visits there. The first one was the dental revision. The second one was to make impressions and put some permanent teeth in. I have one more visit to complete the process of putting the permanent right. teeth in. So I believe that I had nine that I have nine bridges, but some of them probably are two or three teeth together. Yeah, so we're talking maybe a partial plate or whatever they call it for that they, one. They call it permanent bridges. Okay. Yeah. They call it permanent bridges. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, but you didn't have any implants then. What did he think about implants? Did he discuss that subject with you? I just listened to Dr. Huggins on that one. I didn't discuss it because Dr. Huggins doesn't believe in any kind of implants, and I, I agree. Yeah, me too. I, I, you know, after going through all this and being so sick for so long, I don't want to take any chances. Yeah. So I don't. I don't want any more metals or anything in my in my mouth. Well, certainly nobody that's had a diagnosis of cancer should take that kind of a of a chance either. I mean, hey, you know, who knows? Uh, whether an implant w would make you sick or not, but it's happened often enough just to people that I'm aware of and I've heard about that I would never do an implant ever, and particularly not if I were had had a diagnosis of anything like cancer or or a stroke or anything you've uh, you've uh, you've experienced, uh, Sandy. I'm talking now to Sandy Zeitman from Los Altos, California, and Sandy is a a 60-year-old survivor of all kinds of, of problems, health problems, for the last 50 years of her life since she was 10. She has solved them all, essentially, we'll ask her about her current condition in a minute, uh, virtually all of them by about six months ago getting some excellent dental work done by a dentist in Marble Falls, Texas, named Dr. Stuart Nunnally, and she is very, very happy with the results. But what, before we go on here, I want to give you, uh, I want to give you Sandy's email address in case you have questions you want to ask her. She's perfectly willing to answer them by email, and her email is simply her name, which is spelled S-A-N-D-I, Sandy, last name Zeitman, Z-E-I-T-M-A-N, at sbcglobal.net, sbcglobal, G-L-O-B-A-L.net. Sandy Zeitman at sbcglobal.net. The other thing I, I would like to mention here, and we'll talk about the cost of this in a minute with Sandy, but it, it has really devastated her financially, and this is a frequent problem with people that have dental uh, problems to the extent that she has, because not only is the expense of getting them, the teeth uh, taken care of and the, the bad stuff removed, but you have to do something to replace them, and it gets pretty expensive. And Sandy has, has been through a lot with this. And what I want to do is suggest to you folks that you can contribute to her, if you will, by simply sending her an email at sandyzeitman at sbcglobal.net, and she will tell you where to send your check. And I would certainly appreciate it if all of you could do at least a small amount for Sandy to recover her from this financially devastating thing she's been through, which has finally restored her health, but she's got some serious financial problems now, and I, I wanted to help her if we can. So Sandy Zeitman at sbcglobal.net, and she'll tell you where to send the check and how to make it out and so on. Uh, please get in touch with her if you would. Sandy, tell us again about 
how much this has cost you so far, if you would, the old $64,000 question. Right. This is the question that I'm asked the most. And thank you, Bill. Thank you for that offer, uh, letting people know uh, how they can help me. That, that's really nice. Yeah, you need it, and you deserve it, my dear. I do, I do, and I will help other people as much as I can. I mean, if we all just give a dollar to each other, we'd be, we'd be really in good shape. Yeah, right. So the big question of the dental revision cost was twenty about twenty five thousand plus expenses. My goodness, yeah, the travel of course is uh, on top of that, so it's probably closer to thirty thousand now, I guess, right? Right. Now that's a mouthful, but you all need to remember that almost all my teeth were revised, and most people I've talked to about this, they don't have very many. So yeah. It's going to cost them considerably yeah. less. 24 out of 32 is a <laughs> majority. Uh, what what has happened to your health since uh, October, since you started getting the, getting this done? Has it improved? My health has improved dramatically. Um, first of all, there were four amazing things that occurred after the dental revision. And I had no pain and I had no side effects from the drugs. Third, I was in awe all night admiring my mercury and metal-free teeth and watching the blood clot from that abscess-pulled tooth heal within a few hours. My goodness. It was just amazing to watch that. And then fourthly, many of my weird symptoms of 50 years subsided or lessened, and I came home and I could walk and dance again. Hey, all right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, terrific. Has it continued to improve over the last few months? I mean, you had most of this work done early October, I guess, uh, by the time you got back. But has it improved steadily since then? It has improved steadily. Um, my memory's better. I don't have head pain. Uh, here was a big one when I got back. Uh, big improvement in my eyes. I was able to read three books when I returned home. Oh, wow. And uh, I'm rebuilding my immune system. It, it can take two to three years to really, really rebuild it. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the, some of the effects, are, of course, are more or less immediate. When you get rid of these toxic factories that are coming out of your mouth, particularly root canals, but also all kinds of mercury amalgams and, and other dental problems, uh, you get better somewhat almost immediately, but I found with most of the people I work with that the toxins are still in their organs, in their body, uh, from what has come out of their mouth over these many, many years, and it takes a while for that to work out of your body. Have you done any, any cleansing uh, in particular uh, beyond, you know, the normal change of your diet and so on? Well, first I want to say that no matter how much we detox or get our metals out, our infections out, we are always going to continually receive in our body these metals and mercury and poisons from the air, the water, and food. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, so, so the key is to get it out faster than it comes in. Sure. Now, the question about detoxing. I had this whole list of all these things I was going to do when I came home for detoxification. Right. But then... Uh, my body was doing such a good job of eliminating, naturally, naturally eliminating the toxins on its own, I didn't need to do anything extra. Wow, and, okay. And uh, Dr. Dr. Huggins really says not to. 
Uh-huh. And he says it's because your body, you will know that this was your problem and your healing if you naturally uh, eliminate the toxins on your own. Yeah. And he recommends some vitamin C flushes and some detox baths, but I couldn't do them right away because I was just so sick. But when I started feeling better, I uh, was able to do them, and they really helped too. So basically, I had intense detoxification for six weeks. Yeah. Now the amazing thing there was I still wasn't in bed the whole time. I wasn't depressed all the time. I was joyful and happy. That's another thing, a benefit of getting the medals out. I, I felt happier. I oh, felt great. The yeah. feeling of well-being. Yeah, it really elevates you. I felt before in this, oh. this, this more, more, a more natural uh, enthusiasm yeah. rather than always walking around making, you know, acting as if I felt good. I was feeling good. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks. Most people don't realize the, the extent to which your dental uh, problems affect your body all over the place. Of course, a lot of your symptoms, you know, like the tonsils and the, and the fuzzy memory and so on, were in your upper part of your body, but uh, it affects you all over, I guess, doesn't Everywhere. it? Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And I had, you know, like I said, I had hundreds of symptoms, and many of them were so weird I, I wouldn't even be able to explain them. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I've talked to dentists, and they say, well, if somebody has a pain anywhere, I try to associate it with the tooth that is associated with that particular meridian, you know, where the pain is in their back or their foot or whatever, and I deaden the tooth that that is supposedly connected to, and sure enough, the pain instantly goes away. So wow. <laughs> obviously our, our teeth and the nerves connected to them are more sensitive than any other part of our body, and it can affect us anywhere. And, wow, you are on the road to recovery, my dear, and I'm, I'm delighted to, to hear about your great recovery, and I want people to be aware of who you are and what you need them to help you with. So, again, folks, the email address for Sandy is her name, Sandy, S-A-N-D-I, Zeitman, Z-E-I-T-M-A-N, at sbcglobal.net. And she'll be delighted to hear from you, either with questions or if you can afford a small donation to her or a large donation. She would be very, very happy to receive that. And believe me, you'd be helping somebody out who is very interested in helping other people. Sandy sent me her story about uh, oh, five or six weeks ago, and I published it in the newsletter. And I've heard from several people about you, Sandy, and they, they say how marvelous it is that you're sharing this information. Is, before we have to sign off here, is there any message you'd like to give folks that uh, you want them to take home with them? Well, first of all, um, everyone, everyone is welcome to email me with any questions they have because this is one of the gifts that I'm giving back is to help other people. And I want to extend my appreciation to the four people whom I'm most grateful for all this information and support. And the first one is you, Bill Henderson. Oh, <laughs> Patrick you. Temponi at OneRadioNetwork.com and Dr. Huggins and, of course, Dr. Nunnally. And thank you all a million, million, zillion. What I would highly encourage everyone does is research, 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 ask a million questions. 
and the four of you that I just acknowledge my gratefulness. You all have websites. You all, many of you have books. Many of you have uh, a lot of articles and information. And all four of you have incredible resources. So I well, would highly recommend people start there. Yeah. This, this Dell revision is one of the very best things I've ever done in my whole life for my health. Well, it sounds like I'd like to get Dr. Nunley on this program to talk to people about what he does with folks like you, and and he sounds like a real wonderful resource. And uh, his please, please do. Yeah, his contact information is in that February newsletter of mine, folks, so you can find it there. In and fact, all, all these all these uh, people that I mentioned uh, is in that newsletter. Yeah. Okay. Well, hello, folks. I'm back, and I have a very interesting guest for you today. I mentioned last week when I was interviewing Sandy Zeitman that I was trying to get Dr. Stuart Nunnally on this show because I, I felt he had such a wonderful message to pass to you, and I'm fortunate enough to have him with me today, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing from him as much as I have enjoyed talking to him for the last few minutes. We are kindred souls, I think, in that we, we believe the same way about people's health and how it's connected to uh, their teeth and the other things going on in their mouth and how important it is to to be concerned with this and and Dr. Nunnally has been through some physical problems himself that were related to the mercury in his mouth and we'll talk about that so this is a gentleman who is immensely qualified to do what anyone needs to do to clean up their jaws I call it uh, and this is connected to so many degenerative conditions. Uh, chronic degenerative conditions generally start in the person's mouth or in the dentist's chair, if you want to put it that way. At least that's been my experience, and I think Dr. Nunley shares it with me. Dr. Nunley was born and raised in the town that he practices in now. It's Marble Falls, Texas, and I, I know about Marble Falls because I lived in San Antonio for 30-some years, and it's in between Austin and San Antonio in South Texas, and it's a beautiful place. I really love Marble Falls, and he obviously he does too. He's lived there most of his life. His uh, firm is called Nunnally and Freeman. It's a, uh, a fine dentist uh, organization where people come to him from all over the world, literally from all over the United States, but also outside the United States to get the kind of treatment he does because this kind of dentist, as you will find when you start looking for them, is, is pretty rare, and uh, you're not going to find them by just going uh, to any dentist that you can, uh, can find in the phone book. And we'll talk about how to, to get in touch with him and, and uh, give you all the contact information and so on. Dr. Nunley got his dental degree from the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio in 1980 and has practiced dentistry now for 30 years and is a very, very uh, experienced in all kinds of dentistry. He is, of course, a member of the, uh, among other things, the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, and he's been trained in anesthesiology as well as, as all kinds of, of dental work, and we'll talk about the type of things he does. Thank you very much, Dr. Nunley, for joining us today and sharing your experience with us. We're delighted to have you. Oh, it's a joy to be with you, Bill. 
Yeah, I think the audience here, most of them are either cancer patients or recovered cancer patients, or they're people that uh, have loved ones involved with cancer. And you have dealt with uh, at least two of the people that I've been coaching here in the last few months and uh, cleaned up their mouths and helped them to recover from their cancer. Tell us a little bit about your experience about the relationship of people's jaws to their health. Well, um, most people don't associate toxicities um, in their jaw uh, with their health. In fact, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, most of us as dentists are not trained to associate what goes on uh, in the teeth and jaws with our systemic health. And yet we know, gosh, more and more today that those are inseparable. Yeah. There's been a a real gap, I think, between what dentistry has offered in the past and what the medical community has believed was a relationship there between systemic health and and dental health. And unfortunately, uh, dentists and physicians have not talked much over the years and, and communicated, but now we know more and more from the literature that many systemic diseases are either a result of dental toxicities or are definitely um, influenced by toxicities. So, yeah, you know, every, every person I talk to, and this is up around 3,000-plus people that I've talked to over the last 10 years or so about their cancer, and I ask every one of them, has your doctor ever discussed your dental history with you? The answer is always no. <laughs> I don't understand why they consider themselves in a, a different universe from the, the dentist, but apparently they do. I want to talk to you about specific uh, things like root canals and cavitations and so on, but let's talk a little bit about mercury toxicity since you've experienced that yourself. What are the types of symptoms that people get from mercury toxins? Well, that's an interesting uh, question because the list of symptoms from mercury toxicity is just about as long as your arm. And uh, the reason is because there's no barrier to mercury. So it can affect any system, any organ that it wants to. And it does that. It passes the blood-brain barrier. It passes the placental barrier. And so mercury uh, mercury has no barrier. And typically it has a real uh, love for nerve tissue. And so most often, people develop neurological symptoms. Yeah. Tell, tell us about your own experience with that. Well, uh, this sure. is back in, uh, in 2002 or so, I guess, was it not? Exactly. Well, I began to have, uh, I went out for a jog. I'd been a very, uh, I'd, actually, Bill, I think I felt like I was the most fit man on the planet at that time. <laughs> yeah. I was an active triathlete, one lean and uh, but I went out for a jog, both of my calves cramped up very uncharacteristically, and then things just began to go downhill for me neuromuscularly to the point of finally after months of testing, uh, my neurologist referred me to the Lou Gehrig Center in Houston. Oh, my. And uh, I think uh, he was not convinced that I had ALS, but I was, and, and uh, well, I certainly had most of the symptoms. Yeah, tell, tell people what ALS is and Lou Gehrig's disease and those that are not familiar with it. Sure. Well, Lou Gehrig's disease is one of those diseases that just has dire consequences for your health. Right. The average lifespan after diagnosis. 
person who had this and was in a wheelchair for several years and uh, and eventually passed away from the the results of it apparently. Yeah. Uh, but it, so it is a serious disease certainly. It is. Uh, what did you do about it finally? Well, you know, um, even though I had not had the diagnosis, but when you get the referral to a, I was referred to the ALS Center in Houston. I, when you get that kind of referral, uh, even though I, I had a deep faith and I was, I think I was prepared to accept the consequences, I still certainly had a strong desire to live and try to whip this. So a friend of mine said, say, have you ever thought about uh, contacting Hal Huggins? Okay, well, yeah, this is Dr. Hal Huggins, a famous dentist that uh, I've interviewed on this show a couple of times. Interesting gentleman. Did you get a hold of him? Well, I did call him. And I said, gosh, uh, Dr. Huggins, you and I have never met. I've read some of your works. Uh, I'm a Texas dentist. Looks like I have ALS. I would love to see you. Yeah. I said, well, I'll be in Montreal in three days. Can you get here? And he said, by the way, he said, have you ever had wisdom teeth removed? And I said, yes, 30 years ago. Yeah. He said, well, if you have cavitations, you'll never get well. Wow. And I said, um, to tell you the truth, I hardly knew what the term cavitation meant. Right. <laughs> uh, I had heard that term, Bill, a few years earlier. I, I was at a brain longevity conference in Tucson. My mother died at a very early age of Alzheimer's, so I've always tried to do everything I could to stem cognitive disorders. Yeah. I was sitting next to a brilliant lady physician, and she said, uh, she found out I was a dentist. She said, do you do cavitations? And I said, sure, all day. She said, you do? And I said, certainly. Well, I thought she meant cavities. <laughs> and uh, so I quickly uh, realized that she and I were talking about two entirely different things. She went on to tell me that uh, so oftentimes in her own clinic, where she saw people from all over the world, she said, Oftentimes we're just at a loss at what to do, and we send people to have their cavitations cleaned out, and they get well. Yeah, how about that? So that was the first exposure that I had to the term, but when Hal Huggins asked me if I had had wisdom teeth removed, um, I I didn't know, honestly, whether I had cavitations. I wasn't used to looking for those on an x-ray. Yeah, well, we probably need to explain to some of these folks what a cavitation is. Can you describe that in in brief terms here? I can. A a cavitation is a stagnant area in the jawbone, typically in the area where a tooth has been removed in the past. Okay. That leaves a little cesspool of bacteria in that jawbone. And that cesspool of bacteria has a very high level of toxicity. Yeah. Why is this so common with wisdom tooth removal in particular? Well, it's common because um, I think several reasons. Uh, One is in dentistry we typically use anesthetics that have a vasoconstrictor in it. In other words, it slows the blood flow down. Yeah. So that's called typically it's epinephrine. Okay. We remove the tooth. Now we've got a very, very sluggish blood flow. It doesn't fill in properly. And so now if you don't have a, a good robust blood flow into that area, you're not tend to you don't tend to form good bone there. I see. Is and this it, what is this what they call a dry socket? Is oh, that the yes. same type of thing? Yes, a dry socket is a slam dunk for a cavitation in the future. Yeah. Question. But um 
And in addition, Dr. Huggins and others have suggested for years that we as dentists need to remove the ligament. There's a ligament that supports the tooth and the jawbone. Right. If that is not removed when you remove the tooth, then the theory is that you do it. the ligament itself precludes good bone from forming in that socket. I see. So um, as a part of the protocol that we follow now, we, we vigorously remove that ligament and we try not to use anesthetics that have vasoconstrictors in them so that you do get a nice blood flow in there and new bone to form. Yeah. The people I talk to, of course, I, I bring this up usually as a, a possible problem. And they say, well, I had these taken out 40, 50 years ago, you know, and hey, I'm in pretty, been in pretty good health. Is it frequently a problem that is so slow uh, to affect your body that it can literally go on for decades without you noticing it? You know, uh, great question, and I think you're, I think you're right. First, um, the body has incredible uh, defenses that it can mount right. to help wall off these toxicities. And you can even see this on an x-ray oftentimes. There will be a very dense layer of bone oftentimes laid around these areas in an attempt to wall it off. Some people, of course, are just not as susceptible to toxicities as others. Yeah. And just uh, obviously seem to handle them. Yeah, so, I'll try. Let me try something on you and see what you think here. What I usually tell people is it seems to me, after talking to all these folks, that there is something called a tipping point that precedes cancer. A cancer tumor usually is a result of some combination of things, you know, a poor diet, uh, challenging the immune system in various ways with maybe uh, stress or emotional issues. But the dental toxins are almost always involved, but not immediately. In other words, uh, they stress the immune system along with uh, emotional stress maybe and, and eating the wrong stuff and so on and at some point the immune system becomes overwhelmed by this uh, having to cope with all, all of these things that tend to lead to cancer and you get a tumor and uh, then of course they start cutting and poisoning and, and burning on the person and uh, people go downhill because they never really get to the cause of the problem, which is frequently uh, dental toxins, in my experience. What do you think about that? No, I think uh, oftentimes there is a tipping point. We have such marvelous bodies that we can handle toxicities. And so often it's not until middle age that the tipping point occurs. Yeah. And I hear this same story. In fact, if I um, uh, were to measure the, um, I would say, the number of folks who come into my office, 80% of them are of middle age who have uh, handled toxicities of all sorts for years and had fairly robust health, and all of a sudden there seems to have been an event or yeah. uh, a series of events that has caused their health to tip mm -hmm. and spiral downward. Yeah. And uh, whether it's cancer or some other degenerative disease. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. And, and it, most cancer patients have some other physical problems. I mean, it's it, it's either high blood pressure or or diabetes or uh, fibromyalgia, other things that are indications of of imbal <coughs> imbalances, I call it, <clears throat> yeah. in their bodies. 
Let's talk just a minute about, uh, you deal with quite a few sick people, obviously. Some dentists kind of turn people away, and Sandy, I guess, went through this with some of the dentists here in Northern California that weren't interested in working with her because she had, you know, cancer, or she, I guess she hadn't had a cancer diagnosis, but she'd had a couple of strokes and several physical problems uh, really all of her life. And some dentists just don't deal with them, but obviously you do. How, tell me how you prepare a person like that for dental surgery of the type that you do. Sure. Well, you know, uh, Bill, in defense of the other dentist, to tell you the truth, I may not have either had I not gone through what I went through from a health standpoint. Yeah. That tends to uh, change your perspective and your paradigm. And you, I, I, I would say that I... I would not have had the empathy for people who are ill unless I had gone through what I went through myself. So I can understand their reluctance and their, you know, um, fear of taking on someone who has some real health challenges. But now, of course, um, almost all of the patients that I see have uh, some degenerative disease. Yeah, sure. And uh, they have been referred to us by their physician or biochemist or naturopath. Uh, because they know that that's what we deal with. Yeah, and but in, in order to prepare them, uh, for, for example, uh, a cavitation that we talked about involves some surgery of the jaw to correct yes. it, does it not? It does. Do you have to prepare these people for that in, in particular ways with some kind of uh, preparation? You know, uh, actually, you do not. We love to see patients who are uh, being treated by their uh, Healthcare provider and have um, are stable and who are are in at least what they think is the best health they can get in before they have their dental toxicities removed. But many times uh, patients don't have someone who's really quarterbacking that end of their systemic health. Yeah, and they come and we see them. Uh, we're of course very careful. We because we are sedating these patients, most of them, and so we do. Um, we do a very extensive health uh, questionnaire and we'll visit with any health care provider who they are seeing. But oftentimes we see these folks when they're very, very sick. The interesting thing about it is is when you put those folks into a caring environment and you have them monitored as if they were in a hospital room situation with the monitors that we use, yeah. then um, you can perform treatment even even fairly extensive surgery on the jaws and expect the patient to recover and do very well. So That's great. Yeah. Yes, well, we'll talk about this, the logistics of, of someone visiting your clinic here in a minute, but you mentioned the term sedation. And <clears throat> for those of us who haven't experienced this recently, describe what conscious sedation means. Conscious sedation means that it's, it's delivered through the vein, so it's intravenous, and... Um, the patient is monitored with a EKG and pulse oximeter, just as though they were in a hospital setting. Okay. And um, drugs, very, very safe drugs, the safest of all anesthetic drugs, are delivered uh, intravenously along with, we like to use high-dose vitamin C at the same time. I see. And, the, and what makes this a conscious sedation uh, visit rather than a general anesthetic visit is that the patient still um, sw has all of his or her own protective reflexes. They can swallow on their own. They breathe on their own. 
Okay. They are not intubated. But the, these, the drugs that we use, which are Versed and fentanyl, um, have an amazing measure of safety associated with them. Okay, and, and the, it basically takes care of all the pain involved and, and a, a lot of the, uh, the trauma, I guess, that's uh, normally associated with this type of dental work. Uh, well, that's the beauty of it. When you reduce the anxiety associated with dentistry, especially, mm-hmm. see, the dentistry that we do bill for most people is we typically remove all dental toxicities in one visit. Now, that can be a, that can be a six or eight-hour visit. And um, so when you have a patient sedated in a six or eight hour visit, seems like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've really uh, removed those anxieties and all of those various endorphins <laughs> and catecholamines and so forth that yeah. are released in response to an- anxiety, and the patients just heal better. Yeah, that, it's basically a very calm approach to a, a, what is a fairly extensive amount of, of surgery sometimes in the jaw, I guess. I, you know, I've seen it done in, in another dentist's office. that I, A friend of mine up in Reno named Chris Husser, who you may know, but sure. I've watched him you know, perform several operations on people. Very interesting. But uh, tell us, before we get into the logistics here, uh, what, how you do the, the mercury uh, removal and replacement process, is that done all at once? Several, most people have several uh, mercury fillings, I guess. Yes. We prefer to do it all at once, and we, of course, use a very strict protocol for doing this. And it would begin with uh, placing, of course, a rubber dam on every tooth that has any mercury within it. Yeah. A rubber dam is a barrier to prevent any of the mercury particulate from going down uh, into the digestive system and into the bloodstream. And then, of course, you have to use a very high-powered uh, uh, suction device to take the vapor away from that filling. Okay. Uh, lots of water uh, coming out of the handpiece that will sort of drench the tooth and drench the vapor. Right. Uh, we we like to use a an industrial strength negative ion generator back behind the patient and me so that that blows a mist of negative ions okay. over us as we work yeah. and pushes all of the particulate to, toward the foot of the patient. And on the wall there, we have an actual mercury collector. I see. So that... All of that together, and of course, my staff and I all wear mercury vapor respirators when we work. So you're, you're protecting uh, the workers as well as the patient, obviously, uh, very important. Absolutely. So, yeah, this uh, it obviously can be done very safely if you take all the precautions that you mentioned, uh, I, but frequently think, it's, Bill, it's not. Think, you know? Yes, I think you're right, but I think, you know, I think... Also key to this is having high dose of vitamin C on board while okay. the procedure is being done. I think that's very important. Yeah, vitamin C is, is the antidote for mercury toxicity, and okay. to have that at high dose um, elevates the wonderful compound in all of our cells called glutathione. Yeah, okay, and that way you have an extra measure of protection. Yeah, I've also uh, heard maybe uh, chlorophyll, um, you know, maybe before or after or some other kind of uh, uh, detoxing methods may help as well for the mercury. Are there other things that people can take before they get this done that might help? Well, chlorophyll um, 
has been recommended certainly over the years. I, I've, uh, you, as you know, uh, Dr. Huggins is not all of that fond of chlorophyll because most of it is grown in water that has mercury in it. Okay. Dr. Huggins mentioned to me, and I see if you agree with this, that, that there's some kind of statistics on this that show that people who get mercury amalgam removed 63% of the time get worse, that their condition gets worse because of the mercury toxins that are not adequately controlled. Have you heard that one? Well, I've heard it anecdotally from patient after patient. Yeah, I'll uh, bet. So many patients come to us saying, listen, I had my mercury removed and I got more sick oh boy. afterwards. And then when those patients are questioned about how the procedure was done, um, almost always uh, the patient says no rubber dam was used. Yeah. Mm. Uh, almost always the patient says that the other aspects of the protocol, which I mentioned earlier, uh, were not used. And I, I'll have to say that over the years now of having done this, I, I just can't recall a patient having got more sick. There are patients, I will say, who occasionally will struggle for a few weeks after having all of their dentistry performed, but that is the minority. Most do much, much better. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure they do. Uh, tell people, if you would, briefly here, and we'll talk a little bit about root canal fillings after we get done with this one. Uh, what about uh, the logistics of coming to to where you are? I know it's located about an hour from the airport at, uh, in Austin, and maybe a little longer, an hour and 15 minutes or so from San Antonio, but what are the logistics of people who come and stay uh, overnight? Do they stay more than one day usually? Typically they do. Um, those patients, we have a, a staff who's used, used to dealing with folks from out of the state and out of the country, and so we facilitate uh, people's travel plans so that we can help them to get here. But they... Um, they fly in typically to Austin or San Antonio, sometimes Dallas. Yeah. And then uh, either rent a car or have a shuttle service bring them to Marble Falls. They stay here. We're always, we like to see the patients the day before to do a very thorough exam. And in advance of that, we have typically received a panoramic x-ray from the patient so that we can, okay. even over the phone, before long before they get here, have a look at basically what we think their treatment would be and okay. kind of what the fees would be so that they have a real good uh, feel for that long before they make the trip. Okay, and, and they stay uh, overnight in a, a place that you arrange, your staff arranges for them, I presume? Correct. Yeah, Correct. okay. Typically several nights. Yeah, okay. So it's not that difficult to get to you, and, and certainly uh, the, the care is, is very thorough from what I can tell. I want to give people uh, the website to explore uh, your clinic. Uh, it's called HealthySmilesForLife.com, just the way it sounds. There's no punctuation in there. HealthySmilesForLife.com. You'll find uh, Dr. Nunnally and his, his, uh, his partner, Dr. Freeman, uh, and you'll see pictures of them there, and you can, you can read about them and so on. And there is a phone number to contact. Uh, the office at the website, healthysmilesforlife.com. 
Well, before we get off here, let's talk a little bit about root canals, which uh, I run into almost every day with people because they're so common now, uh, Dr. Stewart. It's incredible uh, the number that I find. Some people have as many as 13 of them in their mouth, some people 11, 8, uh, et cetera, root canals. There's so many of them done in this country. I, the, the number is somewhere around 50 million a year, I understand, root canals done. Correct. Do you find most of the people that come, do you have root canal filled teeth? I do, and you know, I was one of those who did root canals. I did hundreds of root canals. I think I averaged around 150 a year for oh 20 years. And uh, and now, honestly, I would not um, do one in my office. Um, and the reason is, uh, Bill, is because uh, we have... Uh, removed root canal teeth, submitted those teeth for toxicity reports. Right. And uh, the overwhelming majority of those teeth are highly toxic. Yeah, are they? Yeah. Yeah, I've interviewed Dr. Thomas Levy. Are you familiar with him at all? I am, yes, sir. Yeah, he told me that he and Dr. Huggins uh, looked at over 5,000 teeth between 1994 and 2000. Uh, 5,000 root canal filled teeth that had been extracted uh, fairly recently, I guess, and they looked at them in the lab, and he said every one of them had toxins coming out of it more toxic than botulism, his yeah. exact words. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how they tell uh, how toxic it is, but obviously they're all infected. I guess it's the nature of root canals, is it not? It is the nature of root canals. It's impossible to clean out every... Um, little canal within a tooth that has bacteria in it and so now you have a dead tooth with no blood supply to it right and now the blood supply is not able to bring the wonderful white blood cells and the other uh, parts of our immune system to a to a dead entity to try to keep those bacteria in check yeah now they are able to produce the toxins that they do and those have an incredible potency. Some people, Bill, once again, uh, it's so interesting the way we are all made. And, uh, you know, as you know, some people can smoke for many years and yeah. not develop carcinoma of the lung. Oh, boy. Yeah. Some people develop it just from secondhand smoke. And and it's I believe it's true also with, with the dental toxicity. Some people handle them well. Some people don't. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, absolutely. Um, and toxicities tend to compound one another. Yeah, sure. So it's an interesting thing. I just, in my own, my own mouth and, and in the patients that we see, I don't want to contribute more to their toxic load. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, you know, you are a truly holistic dentist, and uh, I don't know what term cover covers adequately the type of thing you do. I, I, I know Dr. Huggins doesn't particularly like the term biological dentist because many dentists use that term, but really the, the dentist you're looking for, folks, is the one like Dr. Nunnally who is more concerned with your health and your smile. I guess that's the easiest way I know of to put it. But tell me, because people do get concerned about uh, cosmetics, obviously, and when we talk about root canal removal, which is really only the, the only way to fix a root canal filled tooth, I guess, they always want to know, well, what am I going to put in my mouth to replace it? Uh, can you describe the type of things you do for people that, that make them 
look pretty good again? Yes, I can. Uh, you know, uh, you're exactly right. No one likes to be toothless. And so <laughs> we want to restore that area with something that's biocompatible. Yeah. And the way to determine that is to to take a little bit of blood from a patient and submit that to a laboratory and let them test it for which materials are compatible. I see. And we can then select materials that are compatible with the patient's immune system to restore the area. If, if we have teeth on either side, for example, of an extraction site, we can oftentimes make a little fixed bridge that stays in and does not have to be removed. If we don't, we may have to use something that's removable, uh, but still, most times those things are very, very aesthetic. Yeah, sure. And uh, hopefully, you know, they're they're uh, they don't function like um, one's normal teeth, but they do function well, and most people get by with them very, very well. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about implants? Do you do those uh, sometimes? You know. Um, the patient base that I see has such compromised health that we, we typically do not recommend implants. Okay. Um, we believe that when you, uh, and there is evidence in the literature, when you uh, embed something into the jawbone, even if it's titanium, and it still is, does not have your DNA on it. Yeah, And I that, see. Uh, in my opinion, can be a challenge to your immune system. Yeah, you can get what they call, I guess, an autoimmune reaction to this uh, foreign substance in your jaw. Is that right? Well, you can definitely get an immune response to it, where you where you heighten the immune, uh, where you heighten the response by the immune system, which is a challenge to it. Yeah. And you know, the patient base that I see, um, they have enough immune challenges without me contributing to that. Yeah. Right. Sounds terrific. Well, folks, I am talking to Dr. Stewart Nunnally from Marble Falls, Texas, one of the, the finest uh, biological dentists, I guess we'll use that term for want of anything better, uh, that I know of. Uh, Dr. Nunnally has had 30 years' experience with dental work, and, and the last 10 or 11 years or so, he has been healing lots and lots of people by cleaning up their jaw. You can find out more about him at the website. It is healthysmilesforlife.com, just the way it sounds, healthysmilesforlife.com, and you'll find a phone number there to call his office and, and inquire about uh, what it would cost you and, and what the options are for, for doing dental work. Uh, this is one of the best resources I think you could find anywhere. And believe me, dentists like him are rare indeed, and I have... Uh, a list of about 40 of them in the United States around the, the country that people have told me about. But uh, Dr. Nunnally is really at the top of that list <laughs> because several people that I've worked with have told me how wonderful he is. And and uh, I, I really, I think uh, on one of our trips to San Antonio, I'm going to go see him because he's, he's obviously a, a very fine resource for all of you. So Take a look at the website, folks, healthysmilesforlife.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Nunley. It's just been wonderful talking to you, and I think people have gotten a lot of, of useful information out of this one. Bill, thank you. Thank you so much for all you do to get the word out about uh, what we can be doing to actually improve our health without having to go through 
Well, all of those things that we're accustomed to in in the world of of Western medicine, I think the public is looking for alternatives that aren't so invasive. Yeah. And so I appreciate very much uh, what you're doing. Well, thank you so much, and uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. And in the meantime, folks, uh, be sure you take a look at this website, healthysmilesforlife.com. You'll be very glad that you found Dr. Stuart Nunnally. Thank you so much, Doc. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to How to Live Cancer-Free with Bill Henderson.